don't know if you call it writer's block. I had no inspiration. Okay. There was nothing. And I've always said I'd rather see myself at the end of my life die than give up. I'd rather uh-huh. just keep going and then end up dying at the end than right. give it up and try something else. And at that point, I saw no future. I saw no hope. And I actually considered suicide for a while. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was in Recently. The ba- in April, I was in the Whoa. bathtub with a knife <gasps> for about an hour. Whoa. And it was one of those moments that I knew I wasn't going to because I hadn't reached the potential I know I'm capable of. Right. But it was such a low point. And I think as weird as it is, it's part of being an artist in terms of my whole life is based on my, I don't want to say professional accomplishments because that kind of dilutes what art is, but my whole life is my art. This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Are you enjoying the light of all these glistening particles and want more? I've set up a Patreon page where you can subscribe for as little as $2 a month and get even more unique and new content. You'll find things like the bi-weekly pie series, which is super new, chat forum, live hangout sessions, even co-hosting opportunities, and more. There are so many rewards. Check it out at patreon.com slash glistening particles. Literally every subscription helps. Thank you for supporting my passion and allowing these stories to be shared far and wide. So my son Joe and I were out in L.A. this summer, and we were definitely going for the L.A. experience. We were doing everything Hollywood that we could, and one of the things was going on a TMZ star tour. And the funny thing is, I always sit in the front row for things like that. Presentations, concerts, tours, whatever. And in this case, it definitely paid off because I met our next guest. David Mandel is an actor, director, screenwriter, and definitely all Hollywood, and I know you're going to love it. Here's David. Hey, listeners. Today I am recording in person with Dave Mandel right here in my Airbnb in Santa Monica, California. Can you believe that? Hey, Dave. Thanks for coming in with me. Thanks for having me. This is like a second time in an Airbnb recording, first of all. So you probably thought you were my first, but it's the second. <laughs> I'll, I'll cry at night. <laughs> and we have to tell everyone how we met because that's kind of the best part of the story. Oh, it's a great part of the story. <laughs> so my son, Joe, Joe's here basically hanging out listening. So if you hear some extra laughing in the background, I wonder if one of us are switching into our alternate personalities. It's really Joe in the background. But well, we- I also laugh at my own jokes. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be laughing this whole time, I can tell already. So Joe and I took a TMZ tour of Hollywood and the surrounding areas, and you were our guide. I was, I was. And you were great. You Thank were you, funny. it's a lot of fun. It, it, you know what I think I want to teach people as well is, I told Joe he learned the lesson of always sit in the front row, which most people don't, but it's almost like a private tour then. Oh, very much so. People <laughs> in the back, I try to get everyone, but... And you guys were so much fun because you're in the front. But that's one of the biggest rules in life. There's three rules, and that's one of them. Always sit in the front row. <laughs> and not always <laughs> in terms of like in terms of buses, but in everything you do, always sit in the front row, be right. engaged, be interactive, and you'll enjoy it way more. Right. I mean, I don't think any of my teachers throughout school and college really appreciated that because I was always the one in the front asking all the questions. Oh, yeah. I was like... Yeah. Oh, oh, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> that was the hardest thing on the bus tour was... I knew all the answers, but I didn't want to like say. You didn't I want to be that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I that's her again. <laughs> give the other people, give the other you know people a chance. That was really fun sitting in the front row for that. So, what are the other two rules, though? You said there are three. There so, are three. Oh, now you put me on the spot. I got to remember them. <laughs> you can't it's, throw that out there and not say. I it. know. It's all be all in. 
Okay. Gotcha. Sit in the front row and laugh along the way. Oh, I love that. Did you... Were these your three roles? Or the third you? one, I I don't remember the exact one, but I actually wrote a feature film called Laugh Along the Way, and kind of I just made that the third rule. Oh, I love that. Okay, tell me about that. Oh, the feature film? Yeah. Laugh Along the Way? So this was... Okay, so I guess this goes back to the beginning of the inception of how I started writing. I went to USC, fight on, and <laughs> I studied acting and then got into the business of entertainment. And about halfway through my junior year, I was like well, this is fun, but going into Los Angeles and being an actor is going to be really hard. Even though I was already in LA and developing my network, because, hey, your network is your net worth. I love networking. (laughs) But I was like, I'm never going to just be put in a movie randomly. I'm not going to just wait and then hope I get cast in something. So I was like, I want to make a movie. I'll write one. Mm -hmm. And it was so bad. It was 80 (laughs) pages of pure, I don't know if you allow cussing on the... Uh, A little bit. Yeah. Shit. It was a shit. It was shit. It was shit. It was just so bad. And I reread it and I was like, oh. So I showed it to a couple of my friends. And one of my friends who was an assistant to a production company, she was like, David, this actually isn't awful. (laughs) And I was like, okay. uh, I don't know. I, yeah, okay, great. That's that's a good start. She's like, no, no, no you, you got the structure. There are right. characters that make sense. And like the story is there. It's just, it needs a lot of work. But <laughs> So I gave it to a couple other friends who were writers. And I got a ton of notes. And I kept writing and I kept writing. And now it's become this beautiful piece of art that I cannot wait to make. And this mm-hmm. was like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I've written six features and three TV shows and four shorts, but this one is my baby. Oh. And I guess I'll tell you what it's about now. Well, if you, as long as you don't want to spoil I don't want to spoil it. No, that that's, okay, okay. So it's about a high school senior. His name's John. And John is the homecoming king of the high school. He's, he, he's like, he's the king of the high school. Mm-hmm. He's great. And he ends up getting diagnosed with leukemia. And he doesn't want to be perceived as weak or sick, so he conceals his condition from the entirety of the school, even his family for the time being. Mm. He's able to get away with it. And he ends up befriending this nine-year-old boy named Sam, who's the cutest kid you've ever met. And Mm -hmm. he's actually based on a real person, Sam Burns, who was diagnosed with Prejoria. And by 18, he actually passed, but he went on this TED Talk campaign about his philosophy of happiness. Mm. And regardless of this terminal illness, you can always laugh along the way. And that's who Sam's based off of. He's this nine-year-old boy that's wise beyond his years. And he ends up being the younger brother of Chris, who ends up being one of the only openly gay kids at the high school who John like bullied back in the day. Right. So it's about these three relationships. And John has always had this vision of changing the world, whatever that means to him. He wants to change the world. Mm -hmm. So the the point of the film is you don't have to change the entire world to change someone's world. And the, the cool part about the movie is what the most excited I'm about is Sam carries a camera with him throughout the entirety of the film to start his own YouTube campaign to be an influencer. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is launch a transmedia marketing campaign, interviewing celebrities, YouTube stars, and real children with terminal illness, what it means for them to laugh along the way and start a new ALS Ice Bucket Challenge for cancer. Wow. Wow. So you are standing up for something. Oh, yeah. Every, all the films, I not all of them, but a lot of the films I do are definitely have a social message that has a surrounding movement or campaign. So here's the magic of this whole moment of the fact that we met. So one of the themes through the show this year is I'm doing 18 episodes specifically on people standing up for something. Wow. And you don't always know that when you walk into it. Like I was like, well, this, where will this one go? Will this be one of them? And it is. I mean, the fact that you're creating things that are connecting people and showing them how to have joy, Mm -hmm. even in the hardest of times, totally amazing. It's the magic. This is like, I mean, like, I, there's glitter. There's glistening right. glitter right in the room right now because you were this funny guy. Oh, stop doing, it. No, <laughs> but you were this, you know, obviously entertaining guy doing a tour, right? Right. And now here we are having a conversation. And this is what I love when people, I want to encourage people to do is take the time to go one more level with someone you meet that right. you find an, like an, inkling of an interest in you know take that time to have the conversation because there's so much more oh and it's it's it is interesting too because even with some of my friends i've learned when i meet someone it's Mm -hmm. the 10-year friend rule right you just treat someone like you've known them for 10 years and you'll talk about the most fascinating things right no small talk i don't care about the weather i know what the weather is i've walked outside i don't need to talk about it (laughs) right you can turn on the news but when you just act like you've known someone for 10 years you you get to the real stuff do you find that people don't respond to that sometimes like it almost it makes them step back like whoa this person's way too familiar yes and no I rarely get that I mean I do but 
after a certain amount of time, they start to open up. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm if I'm opening up and becoming vulnerable, right. who are they to just kind of close off? They're, they will allow themselves to open up as well. And I've noticed that people will tell me things they've never told anyone because of it. Yeah. Even on, upon first meeting someone. Right. That's what's so cool. Right. You get these, that, that's what I love about this. It's open, authentic, vulnerable. People tell stories here. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Just like this one. I'm like so excited for your film. Thank you. So what is the plan? When is that one going to happen? Well, okay. So we've, it's been put together and fallen apart a couple of times. Like, mm-hmm. hey, welcome to Hollywood, right? Right. But to be honest, that one probably won't be made until a couple others because I'm doing this other project that is gaining a lot of interest now, mm-hmm. which is, it's about an orphan Syrian refugee in a Turkish sweatshop and a law student in LA who becomes obsessed with finding her. And we have a movement around that one as well, but that one's a bigger budget, so people are more excited about it. Uh-huh. So, but laugh along the way, I will all, it's so dear to my heart, I'm never going to let it go. And I really, I'm, I'm going to direct that one. So mm-hmm. as long as it takes, right. that's when it's going to get made. I want to do it right. I'm not willing to do it for just a couple of bucks with a couple of friends. Right. That's exciting, though, to have that. It's kind of part of the burning fire, right? Inside oh, yeah. that keeps you moving. Like, do all, like the, do all these other things because you know it's going to get you to the thing. Right. And yeah. like the TMZ bus tour guide, no, that's not what I want to do <laughs> the rest of my life. But it's fun along the way. Like, right. we had, okay, so fun story on our tour. <laughs> Oh no. It was, I thought it was a great tour until I was overshadowed by a homeless man at the very end. And he exposed himself to the entire bus. And that was the best part of the tour, apparently. No, no, no. That was thanks to me. So, so first of all, you told us to keep an eye out for any stars. (laughs) Yeah, not moons. Oh, that was way more than a movie. Yeah, touche. (laughs) But you told us to keep an eye out for that. So we're all like, I'm just constantly looking around and I, I caught the guy, like I looked over and he was, he didn't, he wasn't exposing himself at that point. And we sure. were stopped. No, really. We were stopped. And like, I watched, he like lifted up his shirt and all of a sudden pulled down his shorts. I'm like, like, you know how like your brain doesn't register what you're seeing at first. And you're like, that's not good. And I was trying to tell you, cause we were in the front row, like, Hey, that guy's exposing himself. But you probably thought I was saying, Hey, I see a star. Well, she's pointing to him and she's like, don't look. And <laughs> what is the first thing you say when someone points and say, don't look. So the whole bus turns and looks and we're like, great. And she's like, well, that was the highlight of the tour. <laughs> no, I was trying to say that wasn't the finale that we wanted, but that right, but I you did word, say <laughs> it was the highlight. Yeah, that didn't go as planned. And that's why we do things like this. I do things like this where I know I can edit out my ridiculous comments before it goes live. Because the whole bus afterwards was like, yeah, nice highlight. I'm like, and, and there were kids on the bus too. <laughs> it was so Hey, bad. welcome to Los Angeles. I know. Does that really happen that often? I mean, More often than you'd think. Because it's not legal, right? Not that I am aware of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think so, but like, when is something being illegal stopped anyone no, from doing anything? Seriously, in San Francisco, you can actually walk around naked. It's there's a Good lot on the books. I mean, I don't think people typically take them up on it, right? But you can. Well, there's fascinating laws. Like there are laws mm-hmm. from like the 1800s. That's like you can't tie your giraffe to the telephone pole. <laughs> like, I don't. Ah, darn it! Got to leave this city. <laughs> there's the reason to get a giraffe, though. There, right? <laughs> Touche. To I break need- the law. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, anyway. Okay, so wait, where were we? Now I totally lost track. Just the best. I know. So how did you initially decide you wanted to get into, like you went to school for acting, Mm -hmm. so that was your plan. How did you go in? How did that happen? I mean, you asked me earlier if people at five years old were like, you should be an actor. And I think I I always knew I was different and theatrical. Mm -hmm. I always, I was, I'm like Tinkerbell. We both need attention or we literally die. (laughs) Uh, so making people laugh is one of my favorite things, which right. is why actually I recently got into stand up, which is so much fun. And that's kind of like my performance outlet right now. Mm-hmm. But just growing up, it, it wasn't necessarily, I wanted to be an actor. I just, mm-hmm. it, it kept evolving what I wanted to do. I wanted to be president for a while. I wanted to be a lawyer. You want to be president? And he wants to be a lawyer. Yes. And then since we've been here, he wants to be an actor. Hey, follow the train. <laughs> Let's go girl. Les. <laughs> Then you're start. You're going to start writing in about three years. No, he did it. He did it on the plane on the way here. He was writing it. He was where, writing. What are you story. writing? Um, I was writing in a little bit of a movie about. Uh, it's like this cop that lives in um, the city, and this kid needs help from his parents that are abusing him, and the cop doesn't, you know, realize that the kid needs help at first, but then soon realizes later in the movie that he needed help from his parents that are crazy and just 
you know. No. And that's not like a personal story, right? Yeah. So it's a comedy. Let's, yeah. Let's just clarify that that has nothing to do with how things are at home. Oh, that's my mom has to do that too because a lot of things I write are very dark. <laughs> And the short I just directed is about this young girl and her imaginary friend who ends up being the manifestation of her alcoholic, abusive father. Okay. And she was like, please, for the love of God, do not dedicate it to your father. (laughs) Don't do it. So, yeah, I mean, I can feel that just the energy of around the L.A. area. People get that. They get that excitement of wanting to do these things. And it is fun. I mean, it's like it's like kind of being a kid in a way because you get to create something oh, and, from and the ground stories up. and mm-hmm. live in them and get excited so yeah I totally get the excitement but um, how have you gotten to where you are today like where you keep doing it and you you know you keep moving along in it and not giving up like what's kept you going Oof, that's a great question there's a, it's a lot of ups and downs and the highest highs and the lowest lows can be on the same day mm-hmm. and <laughs> I mean, as an artist, it's one of those things you have to love it more than anything else. I've right. never had a plan B. Ah. I've never wanted one. It's because if I had one, I would be doing it. Right. Because I'm three years out of USC now. I haven't gotten my first feature made. I did a short with some good talent that uh-huh. are famous actors, which is an incredible experience. But still, like that's not gotten me anywhere further mm-hmm. along, but it just made me solidified as a director. But what keeps me going is just the pure love of the craft mm-hmm. uh, very recently actually since we're getting authentic and real uh-huh. um, in April I had a couple of things just disappear fall apart mm-hmm. nothing was happening and I was in that place where I don't know if you call it writer's block I had no inspiration okay. there was nothing and I've always said I'd rather see myself at the end of my life die than give up I'd rather uh-huh. just keep going and then end up dying at the end than right. give it up and try something else and at that point I saw no future I saw no hope and I actually considered suicide for a while oh my gosh yeah I was in recently the ba- in April I was in the Whoa. bathtub with a knife <gasps> for about an hour Whoa. and it was one of those moments that I knew I wasn't going to because I hadn't reached the potential I know I'm capable of right but it was such a low point and I think as weird as it is it's part of being an artist in terms of my whole life is based on my I don't want to say professional accomplishments because that kind of dilutes what art is, but my whole life is my art and no one was wanting to see it. It was worthless. And at least that's what I thought then. So then I went up to North, I'm from Northern California, the Silicon Valley. So I went up there for a week and just kind of like, my parents were like, you need to get up here. And I wrote a pilot in four days. It's called Mm -hmm. Yas Queen. Yas Queen. I wrote it as a joke just Mm -hmm. because I was so low. I was like, I need to write something. I just need to write something. And Mm -hmm. my friend was like, I was like, well, maybe I'll write a pilot called Yas Queen because they say it all the time. And Uh he's like, do it. So I wrote it in four days, sent it around to some friends. And they're like, David, this is the best thing you've ever written. Ah. And I was like, damn it. (laughs) Damn it. And things I've worked on for months. They're like, this is fine. But like the thing I wrote in four days as a joke after depression, they're like, this is amazing. Well, so, maybe it cracked open some other parts. Oh, of it. You know what I mean? That's very like, much it, so. Yeah, it cracks well, open more parts of us. It was just, it was, I was, I didn't give a shit. It was just my true authentic self that just poured onto the page. Right. I was like, you know what? Screw all the rules. I'm right. just going to write for what I want. Right. How much, so what do you think, like, in your knowledge of, since you studied acting and all of that, how, if you look at all the, like, let's say, films that have been written, screenplays, how many of them were written because they wanted to please somebody to do what people wanted to sell or that were ones that people just wrote because they wanted to tell the story the way they wanted to tell it? You can absolutely tell when you watch the movie. Mm. If it's a good movie, mm-hmm. more often than not, it's because they wanted to write it. If it's right. not a great movie, they probably didn't want to write it. A lot of the studio films, they will hire writers and writers will be hired a time and again and again to mm-hmm. rewrite scripts all right. over. Like Goodwill Hunting was not written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. What? Oh yeah. They oh and that's that's known knowledge. They hired ghost writers to rewrite it. It was originally written as a thriller. Oh wow. Okay, so you keep blowing all my ho- all the, all of the facts that I think I know about Hollywood. You keep blowing them out of the water. Like the Tom Cruise one on the on the tour. Oh, with his front tooth. Still his can't middle get over tooth. that. You'll never unsee it. Right. So for those of you who don't know, go look up Tom Cruise, Google him, Google a picture of him. You know where we have four teeth in the front? Mm-hmm. He has three. Mm-hmm. One center tooth. It's freakish. It's freakish because he has a, one of the best smiles in the business. Yeah. Is that really the only way we get a great smile? Are we all supposed to pull one of those teeth and slide them over? I mean, come on. No. Well, were you the one who asked me? Because someone was like, well, why is that a thing? How? And I was like, well, let me just answer you with all of my orthodontia knowledge. <laughs> 
with my eight years of schooling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it to me it it seems like a football injury followed by braces. You know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> very much so. Probably he lost a tooth, and they're like, let's just put them all yeah, together. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like that, or maybe a tooth. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have to go out. I could digress on that. <laughs> one. I, I just want an orthodontist listener to send me some information about how that works, and please forward that to me. Okay. <laughs> all right. So you wrote this. Yes, yes. What was oh, Yas Queen. Yas Queen. Yas Queen. Yas Queen, got it. And are you going somewhere with that? Well, okay, so it's, I'm sending it around now because I've finished it pretty recently. I'm still rewriting it just to make sure it's as mm-hmm. good as it needs to be. But yeah, I'm going to send that around to see if it gains interest. People, it's one of those things that's more likely to get me representation rather than be made because mm-hmm. it's for a niche audience. Okay. Not necessarily. It's a very fun, I'm trying to think of what it's compared to. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a, Deadpool with drag queens, <laughs> but it's more already, grounded and I not as like it. not as like not as many explosions. But yeah, it's about this thirty-four-year-old ex-military gay man who's very uncomfortable with his sexuality, uh-huh. and he gets fired and divorced on the same day. His husband leaves him for a woman, and he's like, "You can't do that." He's like, "I'm bisexual." He's like, "That's not a thing." Uh-huh. Um, but it really kind of delves into the entire LGBT community and all nice. aspects of it, and how even when you're in that community itself, it's very tough to navigate and it's Uh coming out of the closet is its own journey and then you're supposed to be accepted by everyone else who had to go through the same thing and instead you're judged and it's really hard to fit in with that and I mean don't get me started on dating in the gay world in LA yikes (laughs) but so I I just kind of wrote it down in terms of it's screw everything and just like be who you are I think dating in general is yikes the worst any any level any age any combination anything i think dating in the world today I was is gonna chaos say. because everybody just wants a quick fix <laughs> everybody wants attention you know but doesn't want a thing they just want attention right. have you seen her the movie her yeah so i took a class at usc and it was all about her from conception to exhibition mm-hmm. and spike jones came in at the end and he said something that has resonated with me since that and he said mm-hmm. today sex has become technologically transactional right And I've also read other articles that say we are actually having less sex today than in previous generations. It's just more visible because it's so accessible. Right. It's kind of like how Americans will binge drink when they're 18 Mm -hmm. because it's illegal. Right. Right. But when, if it's available, like Europeans don't binge drink when they're 18 because it's like, yeah, I can have a glass of wine with dinner. It's not a big deal. Right. So when we introduce sex as something as so accessible, it just becomes less desirable. But and so I do get, relationships. Yeah, and I get it, but it's it's like I I understand even how we got to this and mm-hmm. what people are seeking. I even understand that. I mean, I understand all these things. I just I wanted to be beautiful again. Oh yeah. You know that's all. Just and, some. I mean, some right. type of commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Very few people want that anymore. Right. Because they're always looking. Because again, they're always looking for the next best thing because it's so easy to find. Right. I was gonna say there's this like constantly flowing river of of opportunities so why you know why make the effort and not just dating apps i mean if you go on right. facebook instagram you'll see friends with friends you're like oh they're really cute they're cuter than my boyfriend well, i should go over there and meet them <laughs> right. i mean what a, but do they do they challenge you do they make right. you a better person do they right. love you for who you are there's so many other things beyond right. do they have a cute face and a big following right exactly you've got it all figured out maybe you should work that into your comedy routine I should. Yeah. Well, that I actually do talk about dating, but yeah, it's in a different the, way. Well, yeah, that's why I'm still single. <laughs> How is comedy going for you? Are you enjoying? So you said you're enjoying so it. So much fun. I've I've not had that much fun on stage in a while. Maybe mm-hmm. that's because I haven't been on stage in a while. <laughs> but no, I've done it once, and I'm doing the comedy store as my second performance, which mm-hmm. is like crazy to me. Right. But it's so, I'm so excited. We were we wanted to go, but we we leave the day before. Otherwise, we I'll post it on my Instagram. So okay. keep following. Me and we'll yeah, <laughs> but no, it's gonna be it's it's a black. And last night I woke up at three a.m. and I couldn't fall back asleep, so uh-huh. I just like kept tossing and turning, kept thinking of funny jokes. I turned to my phone and I write uh-huh. them down, and that's how I get my best jokes. I will go on like ten mile hikes by myself mm-hmm. and just escape, unplug, and just right. be in the moment. Oh, I know. I'm the same way. When I get out I, back home, I bike in the on a trail out in the woods. And the when I'm out there, it's like, and, and that's why it's hard to vacation with me, right, Joe? Because I don't go and decompress out in the woods. <laughs> and then I get I get kind of edgy. Oh, and yeah. So, um, I Especially need if you're that used space. to that. Yeah, I just need the space. And actually, we went up north to Santa Barbara yesterday, I drove up there and, and Malibu. Barbara. And 
It was just so good to be in less congestion. Yeah. We pretended we were, you know, among the rich and ate at the Four Seasons, just like had yes. an appetizer. We just had an appetizer. I will have one glass of water, please. <laughs> I know. They That'll bring, be $38. I know. They bring out just the things they bring out before you start your meal. I'm, I'm, we didn't have a meal. We had literally two appetizers. I'm like, just that alone probably costs the meal that I would order at the places I normally go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... It was fun. It was really fun. And they were incredibly gracious. Oh my gosh, we have a crow party going on out yes. in the back here. Hopefully that's not all getting picked up. If, if it is, it's not us that we are not hosting it's a not crow us. party. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, it was beautiful getting away. Love getting by the water. It just oh. changes you. In fact, I can't figure out how to get to the water from here. Oh, I'll, I'll show you after that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she keeps saying it's three miles. I'm like, every Where? time I go there, I don't, I hit a wall. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, on to you. I want to kind of circle back only because it's really a big uh, issue going on in the world today is about suicide mm-hmm. and the fact that you yeah. were on that edge again. So I think this is a meaty subject and you don't often get to talk to someone who was that close right. um, and hear their story. But I actually, a couple guests that have been on the show, one, one works specifically in creating a space for men to have conversations and not get to that edge. Mm-hmm. And he does a podcast about it and he has a lot of ways for people to connect. And then just the two kind of high profile ones that we went through in the last month, maybe Yeah, it brings the conversation back to us again, because I always wonder like how close, like what happened that they got that point and went down and it kind of ties into your film, you know, laugh along the way because your low, low was still a time you'd want it in that story. Tell people to laugh along the way. Right. right? It's- so how did you like, what happened in your head that went it's now, you know, if you, can, if you are care, yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah, okay. absolutely. It's hard to explain because it's not one of those things. My mom was always trying to get to the bottom of it. She's like, well, what can we be doing more? What, what were right. we doing wrong? And it's n- right. nothing like there's, there's no external factors that anyone in my life isn't everyone I've talked to about it. They're like, you know, you can call me and absolutely. Right. I know you can call you, but like, I'm not going to call you. And then all of a sudden I'm fine. Right. It was one of those moments that nothing I was, I it wasn't that I was de- slowly declining. I fell in a hole and there was no way out. Right. So how did you get out? Since you said it that way, I'm wondering, what did you call someone? Did you just, an hour went by and you went, F that, I'm out of the tub. Like, what happened? I, I ended up, my parents actually were, because <laughs> I had told my sister. Okay. So you did tell somebody. I did at the afterwards. Okay. Afterwards? So, you, But how did you get from, I'm in here, to the out? To get, I don't... It was one of those things. It was just kind of like, I... Oh, yeah, you said. You just realized you weren't done yet. Yeah. I was like, okay. I have so much more to offer. Right. That's good that you caught that. So, like, I was... I, I mean, I was contemplating that myself, and I've told this story on the air before. When I was about, I think about 16, I got mm-hmm. to that point where I was, like, making a plan. And and it was over stupid. I mean, I shouldn't say stupid, but it was, like, when I look back on it, I'm like, wah, wah, wah. You know, like, why was right. that so big? But what happened was I heard a literal voice in my head mm-hmm. that said, you can do this when you're your best self, the best version of yourself. And so it pulled me out of the hole and I went along in life. You know, a few years later I went, oh, now I'm smart enough to know that that will never happen. Right. Because I, every day I get better. Every day I can improve. Every day I can, you know. So, but what freaks me out is when it blindsides you like that. Because even at this stage in my life, there have been moments where I'm like, I hear that some voice that wants to push me in the hole again that like criticizes you're a bad mom you're a bad at this you're a bad at that why are you know like all like it's just like whoa where are right. you coming from and i get in the hole and i can get back out but i'm like is that what happens when people what what happens that they can't get back out like that's what scares me right that's it that's well and it's a lot of times too it's the people you least expect right and there was a robin williams quote that i haven't connected with a quote that mm-hmm. strongly in a long time and he mm-hmm. said it's it's the people who truly know how worthless you can feel and you never want anyone else to feel that way. So you bring light to their life. Right. right. That's not the quote, but right. it's very much, it summed, sums it up in terms of the people who are bright and shiny oftentimes right. know how worthless you can feel and how right. awful and lonely that is. Right. So they want, never want anyone else to feel that. Right. And I think, you know what, for people who have been in that place or feel that they're on the edge of that space... Our job is to always get out of the hole. Mm-hmm. That is our that is our number one job. So every time we fall in it, our job is to get out and yes. just use like claw for life. Like right, like cl- call the people, take the walk, change the scenery, whatever it is. Because 
there's not anybody that's gone there and successfully committed suicide that anybody went, well, I'm glad that finally happened. Right. Not anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even people who have had a really dark life, nobody went, oh, glad that happened. No. Everybody wants somebody. People want people here, you know? Yeah. So, whoa, heavy stuff. But that was interesting to hear. I wanted to hear, like, how you got there. Well, and it's, it's been part of my, not my personal life, but I'm from the Silicon Valley, which right. is... There was two suicide clusters in 2010, 2011, and 2000, I believe, 14 to 15, where four and six teenagers oh. all died by suicide in those corresponding years. Wow. And the CDC came to investigate, and it's a high-pressure environment in terms of right. academic success. And if you don't reach that level of success, you're worthless. Yeah. At least that's the narrative. It's If you don't get into Harvard, you're not worth anything. Right. Even when I got into USC, people would come up to my mom and say... But Kat, David is so much better than that. <laughs> I'm sorry. USC was my dream school. <laughs> Fight on. Right. Do we already? Yeah. And, and we, we shouldn't measure people on their accomplishments. We should measure them on their contribution as a human to the humanity. And that can be that they grow strawberries and sell fresh strawberries at the, at the farmer's market. Right. And people get to enjoy that food. That can be that they are the person having the conversation on the other side of the suicide line and they've never gone to school. That could be anything, but their, their contribution to humanity, not their, you know, the certificate on the wall. Right. Right. Well, it's like, it's the Mexican fisherman story. Yes. It's all about happiness and what makes you happy. And sure you can be that the business conglomerate and the CEO and make millions of dollars and travel the world and have be a bachelor or whatever. But if, Sitting on the beach, waking up at noon, catching fish for your family, and then spending time with them all day is what makes you happy. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. Well, and that, I love that story because the man questioning it is the rich guy. Is there, and he's like, well, what do you, and like, then we can build you an yeah, empire. We, yeah. He's like, so what? I can take one week of the year and come here and do the thing I love. Right. right? <laughs> and then he's like, so then I can retire and do this anyway? Right. Right. Why? It's ridiculous. I know. I love that story. Do you feel like people are figuring that out more these days? No. No? Well, I guess you live in LA too, so it's And a maybe that's world. maybe I have a different sense of it because there's a part of me that wishes I could go to Kauai and open up a food truck and just live that paradise life. Right. Why don't you? What stops you from that? I have too much drive in me mm-hmm. to pursue what I'm doing. Is your drive for the fame or this to get the stories out? Oh, the stories. Okay. I mean, yeah. Fame and fortune, that's what everyone's like. Oh my God, I want to come in LA. It's, and that's, I, I used to kind of want it, but if I did, I'd be writing way more commercial movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this orphan re- Syrian refugee in a Turkish sweatshop, there's no way that's going to be a huge commercial success. Right. right. But to me, it's, it's to end fast fashion and it's to start a movement to stop mm-hmm. the fast fashion industry, which is atrocious. And we're spending billions of dollars on this industry that is covering up sweatshop labor. And there are millions of orphan Syrian refugees right. sewing to survive. They don't have access to education. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, and I didn't realize what fast fashion was mm-hmm. until I think I saw a news coverage of it. But it, can you explain that for people who don't know what that is? Well, fast fashion is a lot of these companies. I don't want to name names per se. Right, that's I don't okay. want to get in trouble. But the cheaper clothing lines that have 20 shirts all for $5 each and they're all oh, the same right. color. And it's a lot okay. of the stores we all go to. It's the, a lot of the stores that we right. all know and love right. That because they have great deals. I'm a Jew. Anything for a good deal. Like, <laughs> go for it. But... I think we need to be more responsible in knowing where our products come from and what they do for the environment because there's a lot of environmental damage as well. Right. Well, that's the thing. And on so many levels, like I think what I was referring to and what I saw was the fact that the stores now, they're recycling their merchandise like Mm -hmm. in, I don't know, like two or three weeks. Like what comes in is off the shelves and the next stuff is in. Where does it go? Where does it go? So then it's going to, you know, the bargain stores and then where does it go then it's going i don't even know and And trash right and so you think about this like the fact that all of these clothes are just being then piled back on the planet as trash well and they're synthetic material they're dyes and things that are killing the planet right so you're you've got a second thing you're standing up for oh there's plenty yeah (laughs) okay so besides acting and you know tmz tours and comedy what do you do just like, what's your passion or what do you do for fun? It's funny you say that. Having fun for me is very difficult. Okay. I have a really hard time relaxing. 
Okay, I know um, how that is. Joe can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not working, I'm mm, I feel guilty. Like if I'm right. if I'm hanging out with friends, I'm like I should I should probably be home writing or I should be working on my set. I should be progressing because the people you hear are working day in and day out, and that's right. why they have a success story. But at the end of the day, I have to realize I am doing that, and it's okay to take an hour and grab a glass of wine with one of my friends. Right. That is okay to do. How do you do that, though? Like, I'm stuck in that same problem where I just don't, between my job and podcasting and and the other kind of important things in my life, like parenting and fitness. <laughs> Only kind of important. There's like, well, there's like nothing, there's like no room, no space right. for anything else. Well, a lot of people get... I mean, a lot of people's vices are partying, clubbing. At least this is in terms of my personal experience with in right. LA and things like that. They love going out, drugs, right. whatever. To me, nothing gets me higher than getting positive feedback on a script. I'm like, right. you liked it? <laughs> oh my God. Or like, I'm a uh, semi-finalist. We'll find out if I'm a finalist in a screenplay competition. I'd much rather have that than go on a date with a hot guy. <laughs> That is that is okay. like that is that is what gets me jive. Like, that could be why the dating isn't panning out. <laughs> maybe because they're like, let's go on a date. I'm like, let's write a script. They're like, no thanks. That's so funny. Yeah, I know. I'm. I know people uh, in my circle, a different circle, back in the Midwest, but just going out to see movies or going out to things in, in Madison. There's a lot of culture there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but if I. I could, I could actually like find some more guests for the show. I could do, you know, I, right. I so much love when I'm in my uh, flow of the show. It's, it's like everything is fun. Yeah. Everything. And that's what, I mean, when you have a passion for something, it's mm-hmm. like, that is play. Right. Exactly. And it's all work, but it's really all play. I know. That's what, we, that's what we want to do. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. So where have we not gone yet? Because we've gone a few where more places we? than I didn't than I expected. What is it? Okay, for people who aren't in the industry, what is it that you think? What's the path? Is there a path? Or there's no it, path, and it's no path. Okay. that's always the most difficult part because, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm. My parents are incredibly supportive. Mm-hmm. They're like, we have no idea what you're doing, but good luck, go for <laughs> it. Um, but I mean, I call them all the time, tell them what's happening, but. It, there's a couple of paths, and when I say a couple, there's hundreds of different avenues right. to go about it. And it's when you hear it's all about luck, mm-hmm. it's one thousand percent truth. But people don't really understand what luck is, especially here. It's mm-hmm. not just. I had a friend. Let's call her a friend. I won't name <laughs> any names. And they wanted to become an actress, and mm-hmm. it just it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And after just a couple of months she stopped mm-hmm. and I was like well it's about luck but it's it's not like J.J. Abrams is gonna randomly knock on your door oh I got the wrong house will you be the lead in my next movie like that's not <laughs> what luck is luck is opportunity met by preparation right. so if you concentrate on working on the work mm-hmm. the rest will come right and being out I mean it's kind of like yeah. dating it has it's very absolutely Again, your network is your net worth right. if you know the right like the people I've met at USC and the context I've created Networking, I've now learned, is not transactional. I used mm-hmm. to view it as a transaction where it's, I meet someone who is at a production company. Well, you read my script, maybe you can make it. No, 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 no that's not what it is. It's, mm-hmm. you're a farmer and you cultivate the relationship. And it may take years, right. but if you are a dedicated farmer, you cultivate that relationship. Once it's ripe for the picking, oof, you are, uh-huh. yeah, you have a farm. And I think what I find here, what I've experienced here in the short time we've been here, is that there are a lot of fake people. They just mm-hmm. really want something yes. from you, okay? And so I think to be successful the way that you want to be, which is on your own terms, not in the like sellout kind of way, right. it's almost like you can't go in wanting something from somebody. You just have to have go in just having a relationship. Yeah, exactly. And people respond to that. Right. And Because if it's a real relationship, people want to help you. And whenever I get drinks with someone and they are in the industry, even if they're a friend of mine, they will most of the time ask me at the end, how can I help you? Right. And I'm like, I'm not looking for that right now. Like, you can't help me the way I want you to, but that's not what this is about. I didn't right. ask you for drinks so you could send my script to this executive who will reject it. Like, right. when the time is right, we'll help each other. But Right. It's nice, though. You said, I think on the tour, you said, like, Tom Hanks was one of the nicest people. The nicest. And it, that's probably part of his nature is he's just builds relationships and yeah. and focuses on that. Well, yeah. if you look at the people who are the most successful in their fields, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, I'm using actors, of course, but even Steven Spielberg, J.J. Right. Abrams, they're all, they have the best reputations in Hollywood. They're all who you want to continuously right. work with. And that's Decent, why the yeah. B-level actors tend to be pieces of shit. <laughs> the divas, they're like, um, excuse me, is this my latte? I ordered three Splenda, not two. You need to remake it. 
<laughs> like Tom Hanks would never do that. He'd be like, oh my God, thank you so much for getting me coffee. Right. You didn't need to do that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we had an experience, and I think it was really eye-opening for Joe, because he's not out and about in this area as right. much. But, you know, uh, we were walking on Rodeo Drive, and someone was selling some fancy... Uh, A Louis Vuitton bag. No, actually, no. <laughs> no, it was something for your skin. And so it's kind of, so she basically wanted me to come inside the store. She would. Oh, wait, is this the, is this the, um, the cream no with names. the diamonds? <laughs> no, it didn't have diamonds. Oh, okay. But it apparently. No is, names. She said there were sparkles in it. Oh, okay. No names. There's no some names. cream with diamonds in it. And you're like, Maybe. that's extra. But it basically was, replaces the need for Botox. So we went in oh. and I, I like, it was kind I, afterwards I went, oh, I should have realized that was like in our malls where we have these people in on like uh, carts in the middle right. of the mall that call oh, yeah. you over. It was like that only fancier because they oh, basically yeah. are on the street and bring you into their fancy shop. So I wish I would have paid more attention. Anyway, so she was, you know, here's the price. Here, here's what it's going to do for you. I let her put it on, which I really regret because it kind of burned my skin. But um, <laughs> basically, here's the price. Here's what we do for you. And it just kept changing. The price kept going down as I was like, no, I can't really afford that. The minute I said, I'm really not in the market to buy this, she's like, okay. Yeah. Like not even Once you like, had nothing to offer thank her. Thank you for coming in. Nope. I wish, you know, I'm You're glad done. you enjoyed it, but it was like, okay, done. I'm like, that was, and Joe was like shocked because he's like, wow. I'm like, yep. Because you're worthless to right, her. Right, right. And that was, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be that way because now, mm-hmm. wait, look at, we have a story. <laughs> Bad press, I guess. And I'm not using any company names, but it was an eye opener. And I, then we saw more and more of that, like once we were aware. It wasn't Kiehl's, was it? I love Kiehl's. No. Okay. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was actually, no, it was probably, I wouldn't even, I don't even know the name and don't say it if you know it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. Like a red carpet that goes down. <laughs> but, um, Text it to me <laughs> but then we, we weren't smart enough to not buy the CD on uh, <laughs> I told you. Wait, was that before or after the tour? That was before. Okay. I was going to say. We were we were trying not to be touristy, but we were so obvious. Like the some of those people that were all dressed up and wanted to get a picture taken, then they're like, you know, you need to pay us for this. I'm like, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what do you mean? What? Why would I pay you she, to she take the picture? She paid this guy for the CD. My dad's paid this lady that wanted to get out of Nashville. Oh, man. Yeah. So anyway, Holly or LA in general, there's just like, it's such a mix because there are a lot of good people. Like the people who are renting this Airbnb I mean, are amazing. You. <laughs> you're, an, you're an amazing person. There's a lot of great people. It's just, there's this, it's almost like kind of avoiding that, bubble of people just like scratching and clawing for something well and that's i mean that's why i surround myself with those types of people and like-minded people and that's where it's not a transaction but the people i surround myself are there's this one girl who's one of Mm. my best friends now she is she's a rocket like she's going to be a powerhouse producer Mm. that's not why i'm friends with her right but like at the end of the day she's going to produce one of my movies and we'll be up at the oscars together laughing about how depressed we were when we weren't successful right but now i host entertainment mixers because my last name's mandel they're mandel's monthly monday night mixer what are these so i i'm very proud of this this is something i'm going to continue for the rest of my life and it's once a month it's Uh just it's right now it's at my apartment until we can build it and grow it into something that we need to get a place for Mm -hmm. but right now it's perfect because like 20 to 40 people show up um, every month and it's just, it's one of those things that's just, it's casual and it's really authentic. So it's uh-huh. people starting relationships as opposed to their other, like this one agency host mixers. I won't name any, let's call them CIA. Okay. Just, <laughs> that's what they're called. Um, <laughs> they host mixers. I mean, a lot of these companies host mixers and right. they're very, very much of the slimy, who do you know? How can I use you? Right. Where people at my mixers love coming because they're just so relaxed. I just, I have wine. I make cocktails. Uh-huh. I have a full spread of like cheeses and it's just it's a relaxed environment where people can just talk about their passion their love of movies mm-hmm. and I've heard people get drinks and people talk about projects scripts passed around because of my mixer and it right. makes me a proud papa right and my favorite line I heard was uh-huh. one of the first mixers someone I overheard they're like I hate networking thank god David does it for us <laughs> Well, it's kind of like a mastermind group in a way, yeah, which absolutely. is an in-person large way, because you're all sharing your projects and what you're working on, and all of a sudden you have a connection. Of, right. I mean, that's a, what a cool way to do it, though, because then you know you have built trust before mm-hmm. you have actually go into the projects. Like, it was really cool for us to see behind the scenes of the red carpet that day, because we were there, because they had that oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ant-Man. The Ant-Man and the Wasp and premiere? The Wasp, yeah. 
but we were, you know, behind the red carpet and we could see basically those people, like all the people that were putting up, not, not the actual directors and all that, but right. the behind the scenes people, maybe it was, I don't know what roles they have, like but the editor. Yeah. Or- and they're walking around and like getting everything set up and just kind of seeing how many people it really takes to make that happen. Oh, it takes a village. Yeah. I think people forget when they complain. I mean, I get it when you pay 16 bucks to go to a movie, it's a lot, but when you pay 500 bucks to go see Hamilton, you start to realize how much work, time, mm-hmm. energy, and money goes into making one of these films. And oh, yeah. millions of dollars, countless amounts of hours go into this. So right. it's like, if you download it illegally, it's you're robbing them of their work. Right. I mean, it's so many people. Just the number of people we saw there that day for the premiere. And they weren't the people actually part of the movie. They were right. the, all the security and the oh, the people yeah. doing, like laying out the carpet. And I mean, just like so much. And all those people have to get paid. They're doing mm-hmm. work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was pretty cool to see that, actually. So if people were going to visit L.A., what would you say are the things you would want them to see, the real things? The, the out, real the things. The out of the ordinary, like not the tour, not the TMZ tour. Yeah, no, you don't have to do that. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, they could do the tour, but not fine. the things it's you fine, mentioned there. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on what you love. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are a lover of film, mm-hmm. I would recommend going to, I mean, it's not open yet, but the Academy Museum is going to be opening pretty okay. soon. I love LACMA. What's Los that? Angeles County Museum of Art. Oh, I want to go there, actually. It's do with they, the LACMA lights. Do they have, uh, on the outside, was that the building we saw? The outside. What's the outside like on that? A uh, bunch of light poles out front. Okay. What I do you think? think Are you thinking of the Getty? I'm not sure. It was a museum. <laughs> oh, LACMA's just across the street. That's actually right where I live, but that's, okay. it. that's the automotive museum. Oh, that was very cool. Yeah, it's supposed to represent all the freeways. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I would I would love to check those out. That's a good idea. I mean, obviously, like Santa Monica and Venice, I think the walk from 3rd Street Promenade in Santa Monica down to Venice is just so much fun. The people watching is incredible. Mm-hmm. Also, just my favorite restaurants. Like, I love Plan Check, John and Vinny's. Mm-hmm. Not the touristy ones, like the ones we see on the tour. Right. Because <laughs> those are just expensive, and people just go to try to see celebrities. That's kind of what we were trying to do yesterday on, oh, our, yeah, on our Malibu and Santa Barbara trip. But we didn't. Did you? Act- no. Well, oh. well, actually, at the very end, we had read <laughs> insider tip that's really not didn't work. That stars go to Ralph's in Malibu. Oh yeah. And so we went there on the way back, and there was this guy we were talking to in the parking lot. No, 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 not him. No, with with the, the dog. Was like there was no. He had a Doberman. The guy with the Doberman coming out I'm like I'm sure he was an actor but I I'm not at all good at placing people but I mean he wasn't like a famous He wasn't famous. totally famous. Yeah, but wasn't. he's probably a couple in a couple TV shows. Yeah, no, he yeah, I think he was in like I don't know, but he looked I'm like I think I know Did you say anything is. like I oh, are you famous? I didn't cuz I'm so chicken to do that. Although I did make a long conversation with the guy with the American bulldog out next <gasps> park next to us. Oh, love it was so cute. I love it was are they the wrinkly ones, the right? He was Yeah, yeah. although my favorite are French bulldogs. Okay. Oh. Oh, was it? Oh, it was. It was. And it was like... Uh, Those are for me. It was like stocky and, and had like all this wrinkled face. And he had, he was pushing it out in the just, shopping oh, cart. Oh, it was so cute. Oh, they're the cutest things. They're so cute. It was like a year and a half old and he had lifted it. I'm like, you're going to lift that thing? And he's like, yeah, he's like 70 pounds. But anyway, he didn't look like an actor, but we did have a nice conversation with right. him. Right. <laughs> but he had a cute dog. He had a very cute dog. I wanted to take that dog with me. I'm like really weird about dogs right now. We just lost our dog a couple, so right before we left. I know, it was horrible. Hard. And now everywhere I go, I'm like, oh, dog. a dog. A dog. Yeah, I've turned into that person. So, okay, so what else should we, um, where, where can people find you if they want to look you up and uh, follow you? Where can they find me? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, like my online. address is. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come no. on over, baby. No, no, no. Um, no, I mean, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> what's, my what's the? Instagram is yeah. at David Mandel. Okay. D-A-V-I-D-M-A-N-D-E-L-L. Okay. And I did call you the wrong name at the beginning of the show. I called you Dave. Because I think when I looked you up on IMDb, it says Dave. Does it? I no, not on not on IMDb. It says David. Okay. I was so Dave sorry. to about no, I, I was Dave to about five people in my high school. <laughs> Weren't you Dave on TMZ TM, on the tour, or were you David there? Oh my gosh! Dave. It's funny. You're not the first person to say that. Like, oh, that's how you introduce yourself. I was like, I've never introduced myself as Dave. <laughs> oh, Joe was right. No, Joe I was, hey, okay. my one, two of my really good friends from high school still call me Dave because. The assistant band director, uh-huh. he called me Dave. And we, at the end of the year, because I was drum major with these two guys, and uh-huh. he was like, I finally asked, I was like, Mr. Jones, why do, you, why do you call me Dave? And he's like, well, that's how you introduce yourself. I was like, no, 
no i he's like absolutely it's like i've not once in my life introduced myself as dave i don't think i would randomly accidentally just start saying dave he's like no you definitely said dave i was like oh, great okay that's so fun. Glad see how our brains that. translate yeah that's what it is yeah hey you hear what you want to hear right sorry about that so it's david 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 oh keep going i like this david 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 i just love hearing my name <laughs> You're such a star. We're so happy to have you here. Stop it. <laughs> My God. If only we were videotaping this. Oh, that's, I wasn't sure because some podcasts, like I worked at a podcast with Kevin Pollack and they filmed all of them. So oh, I was like, right. do I have to do my hair? And I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, I um, we don't do, even on Skype, we have the video on, but I don't record the video. Right. It's mainly because of me. I just don't like being on video. Someday, maybe. Someday that I work. do. I know that. <laughs> Sorry, I should have taped you. No. Let me just like record. Yeah, because that's what I need more of an ego. <laughs> so you're playing. Uh, your show is on July second, right? Yeah, this Monday will be night. after the fact, but um. So I will let you guys know how it is on July second. On July second. <laughs> how it goes? I'm so excited for you, though. That's yeah, it's amazing. gonna be. I'm. It's just so much fun. Like yeah. I just have a blast doing it. I bet. Will you go? Will you start traveling for comedy? Do you think? Eventually. I mean, the end goal is not to have stand up as my career. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me as like a supplement, like if I'm on, if I'm doing post for a feature film Mm -hmm. or if I'm shooting in a random part of the country or random part of the world, I would love to go do a couple of sets randomly. Oh, nice. So I'd love to do it as a passion as a, and when I told my mom, I wanted to start stand up. She's like, no, no, (laughs) don't do it, David. And I was like, why? You don't think I'm funny? She's like, first of all, no. Um, Second of all, don't do a career. She thought I was doing a career pivot and starting oh, from scratch gotcha. to go do stand up. And I was like, no, 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 uh-huh. no, 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 no. I'm not as dumb as I look. <laughs> and I look pretty dumb. Um, but a fun I, side job. Well, one, yeah. And once I sent her a video, she's like, okay, this is kind of funny, I guess. <laughs> I thought you said I was like, earlier. Thanks your for the support. Were, yeah, <laughs> really supportive. But maybe it's funny. Not. I went over with some of it with my dad, and he's like, that's not that funny. And I, then I sent him the video. He's like, oh, it's funny in the video. I was like, I don't. You're the worst. I know. Don't send them your stuff. Seriously. No. You don't need that. Well, it's funny because like I'll send my dad my scripts and he's like, this is amazing. I'm like, I don't. Great. You know <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'll get a ba- I'll get like torn apart by like people who know what they're talking about. And I'm like, but my dad thinks it's great. <laughs> my mom loves it. <laughs> it's kind of like the American Idol thing, you know, where these people come and they, they sing and they're like, Oh, we can't wait. He's such a great singer. And they go in and everything's out of tune. And you're like, I just... um, How did they not know that? How did they not hear that? They know. I mean, how do you... You got to be delusional. (laughs) There are some people who are. Right. Like, if I went on American Idol, I would probably be one of the ones they showed. Because they're like, is he... Is that real? Is this real? Is he he crazy? Does he not know? Or is he just playing (laughs) us up? We don't know. So it would be great entertainment then because they wouldn't know. They'd be like, yeah, for at least the first cut. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't get a ticket to Hollywood, but I already live here. Why do I need a ticket? Just sneak in. Yeah. Yeah. We all we all know I would never get to American Idol. First of all, I missed the cutoff, but also I can't sing at all. So the I voice the voice doesn't translate to music. Let's go on a tour of a duet then. We'll just be like a fun. Oh, like the TMZ singer on the. Oh, my God. Everyone always asks, who is it? I'm like, I don't care to know. I know. It's so, like, it was funny the first three videos, but then about the last several ones, I'm like, I can't listen to And try after your 100th tour. (laughs) So this has only been one month you've been doing this. Yeah, about, well, I guess two now. Okay. Because I guess they did it through May and June. Oh, it's the end of June. Shh. Oh, sorry. It's not. No, I mean, like, once it hits June 21st, I go into this sort of, like, sad mode of the days getting shorter. And I try to ignore that. Is it getting shorter? After June 21st. I mean, not obviously. Is that the summer solstice? Yes. I missed the summer solstice? (laughs) I didn't charge my crystals? What am I going to do? My whole chakras are going to be out of line now. I could probably help you with that. Thank you so much. So LA. I know. Have you gotten into that yet? All of the ch- the crystals and I don't. Well, I I haven't done it here, but I do. I do chakra things in my own life. Does do you feel that it works? I don't do. Uh, yeah, I do definitely. We could talk about that off offline. Oh, okay. <laughs> never mind. Then. No, I do think. Okay, here's what I think, and I guess. Okay, so we'll go here for a moment. So yeah. and then we'll we'll just pretend that we already wrapped the show. So basically, here's what I think. My my religious beliefs. This is a tough one for Joe to. You know, he's like, okay, where is she going to go with this? <laughs> so my re- religious beliefs, my spiritual beliefs have broadened. Mm-hmm. So I have definitely a broader belief about 
you know, what's the force that's carrying us through right. our world. But I learned Reiki. I had Reiki done on me a few years ago. And is that the spiritual healing? That's the like energy healing. Yeah. That's energy healing. I'd had like a, I did a 360 on a ATV, not intentionally, and it bounced off of me. So I was sort of a little bit wrecked up, but actually just my leg. The rest of me was fine, which is pretty amazing considering right. that what happened. After that, I went and learned how to do Reiki. And then I started doing it a little bit because I didn't really want to add another thing to my list. <laughs> uh, and then I learned how to clear chakras mm-hmm. and how to see what's in there and help heal it. What I find is for some people, it's a pretty profound thing. So if you feel like you have a block where you're just like, I keep hitting this same wall, there could be some clearing of chakras that might move that space and right. it would change your energy. So yeah, it's worked for me. I mean, I was a middle-aged mom kind of doing the, the hamster wheel for a while. Don't say anything about my age. So. <laughs> and now I'm doing a podcast and I'm you know traveling around and living in different places for a month at a That's time amazing. when I feel like it. And yeah change my fitness completely from where I was. So lots of things. So yeah, for me, it was life-changing. Because my aunt has gotten into it recently. And what's she doing? (laughs) mm -hmm. Is she doing well? Is it changing her life in a way that you see as positive? Yeah, I think so. It's pretty new still. Yeah. But she seems to love it. What I've seen is like, I'm not like, it's like, oh, I'm all about this, Right. right? But when I've done work for people, what I can see is, usually what the things that I do are, like we have all these parts of ourselves and when we have a trauma, some parts of ourselves mm-hmm. decide to float around our body and not in us. You know, they're kind of like out there. Bringing that back in makes you whole again. Right. And it just changes them. Like they, you can see like six months down the road, like just the light is back in their eye. The, oh yeah. It's like, a, it, it's been a, pretty amazing to see. So a lot of people don't give enough time for themselves. Right. Like right. meditation, I think is, I've only, I've done it once successfully. <laughs> Every time you sit down and listen to your and like concentrate on your breath, it's successful. Well, uh, yes, but like in the in so it was it was actually in India. You were in India. I've been to India and Thailand twice because I used to lead what? volunteer trips for USC. What? How did we get to? Okay, we're gonna have to just keep going a little bit longer. Are you okay on time? Oh, I'm doing? great on time. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, I was in India, and it's so you know how you do om. Yes. Do you know why? Uh, why? Well, it's, I, I always thought it was just like, oh, well, it's, it's actually a physical sensation on your brain. It's an actual vibration and it's a massaging, it's a massage for your brain. So they taught us how to, we did yoga and they taught us basically how to meditate. Right. And for 10 minutes, normally I'm restless. I'm like, so what am I going to do next? Where are we going? (laughs) So it's really hard for me to sit still. So they're like 10 minutes. I was like, this is an eternity. Right. Counting down the seconds. And after like seven minutes, I finally clear my mind because I can't. Right. It's a thousand miles a minute. And finally cleared my mind. And for the next three minutes, this is going to sound crazy, I know. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear it. But I, I, I like went through this, I don't know really what it was, but it was like this journey into myself and into my soul. Right. And I saw the core of myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So when you, when you observed it, did it like, whenever I get to that point and then I, I consciously go, wow, it snaps me out of it. Did, it, did you get to stay in it for a little I bit? I stayed in it for a while because wow. I wasn't like, oh, it was only after the fact that I finally thought about it and I was like, what was that? I don't, I didn't think about anything. Was this when you were in India? Yeah. And I you was, were in a group meditation? A lot of the group didn't stay for the meditation, okay. but it was on a roof in a, uh, on a farm in the middle of a slum. So it was like <laughs> totally removed. And if you've uh, ever been to India, no. it was right before a sunset, which are the most gorgeous sunset I've ever seen in the world. Oh. So it was just, it was, it was perfect. There was no technology. It was right. just That's being, amazing. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, what's cool about that is because sometimes when you're in a, uh, you're meditating with masters their energy can actually help pull you into that space a little bit right. more, right? That might have helped it if it was part of like working with the masters there. Oh, probably. But do you meditate here? Not at all. Why? Like, don't like, I should, and I don't have an answer. I don't. I ha- mean, because that seems like the exact antidote for depression. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and it's like it's because we always have constant distractions. It's, right. We have our phones. We I'm reading a couple of books, so it's like right. I'll never just sit down and be because I'll. I'll watch The Handmaid's Tale because it's so good. <laughs> I can't watch The Handmaid's Tale, by the too way. Too dark? Too dark. In fact, I had these two women on the show who have a podcast called Akio Politics. They mm-hmm. do a podcast about the politics of Harry Potter. It's really cool. And do they talk about The Handmaid's Tale? So they just they just launched a new podcast of their, like, basically their 
listening. They watch The Handmaid's Tale and they talk about it afterwards. Oh, I cannot wait for yeah, that. Yeah, you'll have. It's called the um, the Unwoman, I think, mm-hmm. Unwoman podcast. So they're on. Plus, my social marketing assistant, or assistant Chani, is on. All four of us, because I don't know enough about Harry Potter to talk smart <laughs> about that. So we had all of us on the show, and the three of them are just like, "Oh my God, The Handmaid's Harry Tale!" Potter. Oh, The Handmaid's Tale! Oh, yes. And I'm have like, "Have you seen uh, any of it?" So then uh, they told me, "Go get Hulu as a temporary, you know, like a yeah, thirty day trial." Thirty day trial. I'm like, okay, I can. They're like, you can binge it in a month. I'm like, okay, so I do that. Oh, I don't watch, binge The Handmaid's Tale. I were, I watched the first half of the first one, and I'm like, nope. I'm like. Is this happening for real in society? Is this somewhere happening like for real? So I go and I look it up and I realize it's like set a little bit in the future. Which is the scariest part because it's supposed to be like 30 years. It's like three years in the future. Right. It's scary. In this climate right now. It's it's scary. So I watch it to the point where uh, I, I think I got like halfway through and I think it was the scene where they were pulled into this classroom and there was a woman up front and they brought one woman in who was sort of dragging. Oh, Aunt Lydia. Well, I don't know her name. You're like I don't watch. I don't watch the show. Yeah, so uh, it was the woman, the teacher, kind of acclimating oh, yeah. all the girls to like, this is what you're doing now. Endowed. Oh, she's yeah. so good. And I have a huge issue with oppression. Mm-hmm. Huge. Like I've walked out of um, Hunger Games because I couldn't handle it. Like that's how. Like I can't right. handle it. I mean, I'm sure there's some past life fun stories going on that'll bring that one forward. But yeah, I couldn't handle it. And I was really disappointed in myself because I wanted to watch, I wanted to be part of right. the thing. But I also can't watch Game of Thrones. I've never seen it. <laughs> no one has ever said that on the show. <laughs> you can beat that out. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's funny because everybody's like, Game. everyone's got to watch Game of Thrones. So, um, it's and it's too supposed big of an to be investment really- now. Right, it's a lot to catch up. It's supposed to be so well done. So, and a friend of mine who I really respect, actually, he has episodes on the show, uh, Pablo, and he, you know, loves it. And so I'm like, why can't I? Why can't I like this? So I go watch one episode, and it was like literally one of the worst episodes of what ha- what the torture scene that was going on. Oh, like very graphic and. Oh yeah. Oh, was it with the rod? Yeah, it was. The, well, it was the uh, mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. one. <laughs> Even I've heard about that episode. <laughs> So you know it's bad. I've never seen an episode, but I know exactly yes. what you're talking about. Yes. And I'm like, am I actually? It was kind of like the guy on the side of the TMZ post. Of, am I really seeing this right now? It's the highlight of the tour. <laughs> it was the highlight of TV. Oh, so yes, I want to watch The Handmaid's Tale, but I can't. I get it. That's where I, that went. And they even said, they're like, please, nobody binge watch The Handmaid's Tale. Right. It's just so heavy and dark. It is. It is. Oh my gosh. And it is so close. And I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very dark. It's funny because yeah. I'll even, it's, it's, I don't know. I write, even my comedies are very rooted in darkness. Hmm. You wouldn't guess that. You wouldn't guess that knowing you. Right. But it's just like the Robin Williams thing right. that you said. Well, right. and it's also a lot of the comedians are the most depressed people. And like, I'm happy most of the time. And that's probably why I write the dark stuff. Right, right. Like Jim Gaffigan. We we love, we listen to Jim oh, Gaffigan yeah. a lot. I think he's pretty dark if we all add it up. <laughs> it might be the number of times he goes to Waffle House, though. <laughs> all of those could, like Louis C.K., miserable. Yeah, right. But hilarious. Right. Why is that? Yeah. Well, hmm. It's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. You asked me how to be funny. I can't answer that. <laughs> Why am I doing stand-up? Nobody knows. Right, right. I mean, it is... I think we I think we all just look for ways to pull ourselves out of the darkness yeah. a little bit and that's what they're doing with their comedy. Yeah, because you know? they know how it is to be miserable. Right. Yeah. So they don't want anyone else to feel that way. Right. Good for them. Good yeah. for you to thank them for. They're that. making the world a happier place. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to wrap this. How do we wrap this? You're a pro. With You're... a bow? <laughs> I'm not watching that. <laughs> I'm not watching that. <laughs> Okay, well, I cannot thank you enough for coming and hanging out with us. This thank was you for amazing. having me. This has been so much fun. It really has. It's going to be awesome when it goes up. People are going to love it. Please send. Well, obviously you. Will, I will right? send okay. you everything. Yeah, I should. Do I, I, I do I have your email? Yes, yeah. I do. That's right. Great. I want to thank you for listening. And if you didn't listen all the way, you won't hear this. But I love you. <laughs> that brought up another thing. Yes. I asked this guy. On Instagram, from some a friend of mine, found him on Instagram. He is doing this thing where it's just letting everybody know they matter. And Aww. I emailed him to ask him to be on the show. And he's at the end, he's like, and I love you. And I'm like, you're so sweet. I feel Aww. loved. I think he was, I mean, he was just like back and forth. And that's what he says to everybody. So great way to end. 
I love you. I love you too, David. I love you. And I have your name right. Yeah. So that's awesome. <laughs> and Joe, I love you too. <laughs> and I also love Dave. Do you love Dave? Whoever he is. <laughs> if there's a Dave out there, find me. <laughs> oh, this is just, we, we're going to stop now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I don't think I'm ever going to live down the story about, hey, look over there, or don't look over there. Yeah, that didn't work well. If you know me, you'll know that anytime I'm shocked or surprised, I can't avoid doing <gasps> like that, whether I want to or not. It's just a natural reaction. Anyways, it was so much fun meeting David and having him come to our Airbnb, and for my son, actually, to see how this all works. And the work that David is doing now, the latest work that he's involved with, you can follow him on Instagram and check it out. And see where he goes next and I think what he really shows us is that when you know what your passion is it doesn't mean it's a straight path from A to B it might mean a left turn and a right turn and a jump and a crawl and whatever it is but you just keep going forward in that thing and it definitely pays off so thanks David for being with us and thank you everyone for listening as always so are you following your passion inspiring people and willing to share your story then find me because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining.